Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome back to Straight from the Source. Michael Russo, thanks as always for listening, for tuning in. Uh, really, as always, very much appreciated. Hopefully everybody had a great holiday season uh, and got your minds off the wild. Uh, that's the best part of the uh, NHL's holiday hiatus, as I like to call it, uh, from December 24th to 26th allows all of us to reset, not just the players and the team, but all of us in the media and the fans and get ready for a big, big stretch drive that starts on Wednesday night when the Detroit Red Wings come to town, Patrick Kane, Alex DeBrinckit. And if you remember, that was Dean Evison's final, final game uh, with the Minnesota Wild. He was fired the next day, and John Hines came in, debuted against the St. Louis Blues, and he is 10-3 and since and has won all six of his home games. So uh, we'll see if the Wild uh, can con- continue this uh, complete about-face uh, that happened since the first, what was it, 20... 20- uh, games of the season. I think it was 19 where they won five of their first 19 before John Hines took over. And uh, we'll see if they can continue it right now. The Wild uh, in the uh, month of December and the last couple days of November since he debuted November 28th have the most points in the National Hockey League with 28. Uh, with 20, excuse me, uh, the most uh, victories in the National Hockey League with 10. They had the second best goals against, the second best save percentage, uh, scoring a pile of goals, getting great play up and down their lineup. And they're doing this without guys like Matt Zuccarello, Ryan Hartman, Jonas Perdin, and Jared Spurgeon in the lineup. Uh, Brad Bro- uh, Brock Faber has just been uh, absolutely uh, awesome for them. Jake Middleton's been playing great, and he's doing this a little dinged up, I believe. Um, and they're really getting quality play from all their defensemen. And it shows that, uh, as Zach Bogosian said, that a lot of players can play in the National Hockey League and elevate their play uh, and get more ice time and uh, responsibility when guys are out of the lineup. And the, and the teams that step up in these occasions are the teams that make the playoffs in the wild have put themselves in a position where they're a couple points back of a playoff spot with a game in hand on eighth place. Arizona heading into the Detroit game. Then they have a home and home with the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, that will be the first time that they'll be playing the division leaders this season. And that starts in Winnipeg on Saturday night and then a home afternoon game. Uh, both games are afternoon games, but a home afternoon game on New Year's Eve day on the 31st. Then a couple home games against Calgary and Tampa Bay. Then a one off in Columbus, a home game against Dallas, a one off. Uh, road game in Dallas, then a, a three-game homestand against the Flyers, Coyotes. Uh, first time they'll see the Coyotes and the Islanders. Then they go on the road against Tampa Bay, Florida, Carolina, home against Washington, Nashville, and Anaheim, Anaheim Hockey Day, Minnesota, and then the bye week in the All-Star game. So uh, a lot of hockey games to go, and the Wild have put themselves in a great, great position to get back here 
into a playoff spot uh, heading into that all-star break. My guest today is Kenny Albert. As everybody uh, knows how close Kenny and I are, we've been friends for 30 years, basically. And uh, he is just one of the most talented but humble broadcasters I've ever met in my life. Uh, obviously, you know him on TNT as their lead broadcaster for hockey games, uh, Fox football, Fox baseball, Fox boxing uh, for uh, the Rangers. He does uh, all the radio uh, games forever and uh, also does about 15 games for the Knicks uh, um, really for years. He's done the Knicks uh, about 15 games a season. Um, we talk about his new book, A Mike for All Seasons, uh, incredible book. Uh, you got to give that a read. And we talk about his career, his life in broadcasting. We talk about the Rangers. We talk about the Winter Classic uh, that he broadcast here a couple years ago when it was like a minus, you know, what, five or six degrees. Um, a lot of you were braving the elements as I was in the warm, cozy press box, uh, but really hope that everybody uh, get, enjoys this podcast with a really great, great person in Kenny Albert. Um, let's talk about the wild right now. Uh, where to start? Let's talk with Mark. Uh, start with Mark Andre Fleury. Um, you know, I, I've said this a lot. Uh, obviously, Mark Andre has come to the wild in the uh, back nine of his career. We haven't seen the best of Mark Andre Fleury that we saw at the very beginning of his career. That has put together this Hall of Fame resume. Um, but I think that years from now maybe when he's giving that Hall of Fame speech or just years from now, I think we're all going to look back at our time watching him play, being around him if you're a writer, and just really uh, feel fortunate that we got to be around um, one of the most popular players that have ever played this game in Marc-Andre Fleury. And it's just really cool to see him get closer to so many different milestones right now. He played his 998th game uh, the other night. Uh, actually, it was 997 and 998 against the Boston Bruins. Won both those games in dramatic fashion. Um, he is now one game, one win from tying Patrick Waugh with his 551st for uh, second most regular season victories in NHL history. He's two games from playing his 1,000th. He'll become the fourth NHL goalie in, in history to play uh, that many games. And we we know it's almost become cliche to write the big thousand game story for different players, but a real big rarity for a goalie. Um, just imagine the stress on a nightly basis to just have to be a man alone on an island as a goaltender. And I just can't even imagine playing a thousand of those games and be on the verge of 551 and then 552 wins. Um, so anyway, I did a story on him the other day and, and uh, I got a real good alone time with him and he really uh, broke down and gave me the uh, autopsies of his, his uh, practical jokes that he played on Chris Letang, Evgeny Malkin and Sidney Crosby, but then also the one that he played on Brandon Duham as a joke back to him for, uh, for saying that it's amazing what Flowers doing it uh, as he closed as, at age 50. Uh, to Kevin Gorg on Valley Sports North. So hopefully you enjoyed that story. Um, and I, my gut says that we'll see him play his thousandth game on January 4th against the Tampa Bay Lightning. I would think they'd want him to do it at home. I would think that Philip Gustafson starts the first game out of the break against Detroit. That means that 999 will come in one of the two uh, games against the Winnipeg Jets. Um, Philip Gustafson, as we know, is a Calgary Flames killer. So I've got to think that Gus starts the home game on January 2nd, and that leaves uh, January 4th. You'd think you'd want him to play his thousandth game at home against the Lightning. And maybe um, if he beats the Jets, Flower, uh, that Tampa Bay Lightning game, I re remember a team that barely wins here in Minnesota. Uh, could wind up also not only uh, 
be his 1,000th game, but actually pass Patrick Waugh for second all-time in regular season wins. My gut says, even though there's a ton of home games in January, it would make most sense for the Wild to honor him on February 9th when the Pittsburgh Penguins come to town and they can almost kill two birds with one stone that night, honor him for his 1,000th game and also honor him for uh, becoming the uh, uh, goaltender with the second most regular season victories in NHL history. So we'll see that. But hopefully everybody gives uh, my story a read uh, that appeared in The Athletic um, after the game that they played right before the break. Um, again, the Wild are just playing outstanding right now. 2.0 goals against per game under John Hines at second best in the league. A 9.32 save percentage under Philip Gustafson and Marc-Andre Fleury. That's second best in the league. Flower in that uh, is 3-1 and one with 2.49 goals against average and 9.25 of save percentage, by the way. We know Gustafson has been playing great, um, but they're just getting solid play. Matt Boldy completely turned around. Eight goals under, under John Hines. Uh, Kirill Kaprizov, after having zero goals and two assists in six games before last week, he had four goals, three assists, four-game point streak, back-to-back overtime winners uh, to tie Brent Burns' record as the only other player in wild history to have overtime winners in consecutive hockey games. But he also, uh, Kaprizov, had his seventh and eighth overtime goals. That is a franchise record to pass Matt Dumba. They were tied together uh, with six. So Kaprizov is just playing like a stud again after really being uh, very pedestrian for a lot of the season. Um, but it's great to see him playing well. And what do you know, when Kaprizov plays well and Boldy plays well, the team wins. Brock Faber, just an absolute revelation as a rookie, um, had four 30-minute games out of, I believe, five or six last week. He not only leads all rookies at 24-44 in average ice time, he is 10th in the league in that category. Um, he is second amongst NHL defensemen, uh, rookie defensemen, with uh, 12 points as well. Uh, six, sorry, 16 points, I believe it is. Um, leads all rookies with a plus 10. Marco Rossi, second amongst rookies with 11 goals and 21 uh, assists, uh, uh, 21 points. Obviously, uh, again, Connor Bedard is uh, lapping the competition in that quarter uh, category. I think he has nine more points than uh, Marco Rossi right now, who is, again, second amongst rookies in uh, points. So everything is going well for the team. They're winning games. They've won 10 of 13 under John Hines. Uh, once again, hopefully everybody enjoyed their holiday season and is getting ready to uh, really just enjoy a bunch of wild games coming up here in the next little while. A bunch of home games coming up as the Wild have played the least number of home games in National Hockey League, which again, for a team that's usually very good at home, that really bodes well for their ability to, to uh, snatch onto a playoff spot here going into the bye and the All-Star break. Without further ado, here is Kenny Albert. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Well, as mentioned, uh, really happy to be joined by Kenny Albert. Uh, everybody knows Kenny is the busiest man in broadcasting, TNT, Fox, MSG. 
You do Knicks, Rangers as your day jobs, quote unquote, and then you're uh, all over the map uh, doing uh, National Hockey League games for the NHL. You'll be at the Winter Classic, or you were at the Winter Classic in Seattle, and uh, and then obviously uh, uh, NFL and Fox. You've been doing now for thirty years, but now you're a, you're an author uh, with forwards by Wayne Gretzky and Clyde Frazier. You got Moose Johnston right on the on the cover. A mic for all seasons. I feel kind of like I was part of the process because I remember you showed me two covers during the Eastern Conference Final, one with a mic on the eye, the other one without a mic, if I believe, and we, you went with the mic. I like it. I think that made the most sense. Went with the mic, you know, in your honor, thought about <laughs> a mic, M-I-K-E, for all seasons, but yeah. went in the other direction, M-I-C, but it was such a fun process through the years. Always thought about writing a book. Felt like I had a lot of stories. I speak to a lot of young broadcasters, sportscasting camps every summer, high school and college students, and they ask great questions. And I wind up telling the same 10 or 15 stories about how to get into the business, uh, what you should do during your college days as far as internships, broadcasting at school, radio and TV stations, et cetera. They always ask about uh, memorable games, Mm -hmm. about my color analysts, about favorite sport, et cetera. So at the beginning of the pandemic, when we all had a lot of time on our hands and I was home for 146 straight days Mm -hmm. and my family uh, has always uh, sort of pushed me in this direction to to write a book. I felt like it was a good time to finally put pen to paper. And that was back in 2020, put together an outline and some sample chapters. A book agent in New York named Andrew Blauner had contacted me a few years prior. We had some mutual uh, friends and he said, if you're ever thinking about doing a book, let me know. I'll try and hook you up with a publisher. And that's exactly what he did with Triumph Books in Chicago. And just so excited this past August, 2023, late August, uh, when UPS showed up with (laughs) with three boxes of 20 books each at the bottom of my driveway. And I knew that it was going to arrive that week. And I was in the backyard with my wife and we heard what sounded like a UPS truck pull up. And we, we both ran to the front and the driver to this day, probably thinks we're crazy because all of a sudden, when we saw the three boxes, we took out our phones, we started taking pictures of him, videotaping him, <laughs> wheeling the boxes up the driveway, and then we opened them up for the first time. That is awesome. Uh, and it does. It probably feels like, you know, a birth almost. I mean, you, you sit there and you go through this tedious process of writing, of editing, of rewriting, of re-editing, of fact-checking, getting it published, and then all of a sudden... There it is, the final product. I was just in your hotel lobby. I saw a Star Tribune out there, and I remember just the the you know satisfaction that I would see when I actually saw my byline in the Star Tribune. And I got to think it's the same thing when you when you do this process. It was learned so much during the process. Mm-hmm. I've never written a book before. Um, I've had one job for about thirty three years, and that's been play by play. Many different outlets, right? <laughs> and. I always enjoyed writing. I did a lot of it mm-hmm. in, in high school and college for various publications. Considered using a ghostwriter, but ultimately decided that I wanted it to be my words, mm-hmm. my stories. And when I first sat down and put together the outline, I started writing 12 or 13 separate chapters and finally realized I have to merge them together and make it feel like a book. And the editors told me initially we need 70,000 words by September 1st, 2022, which is about a year and a half away at that point. And I was thinking to myself, how am I ever going to get to 70,000? And at some point during the process, I remember looking up on my computer and it said Mm 30,000. And I felt there's no way I'm ever going to get close to 70,000. But somehow 
uh, when I when I finally turned it in, it was around seventy five to eighty thousand, and then through the editing process, uh, some of it was cut out. But um, and and like I said, learned a lot during the editing process with revisions. You can mm-hmm. read your work over twenty times, and the eighteenth and nineteenth time, you're finding mistakes. Whether yeah. and you go through this every day, yeah. whether spelling, grammatical, factual errors. And you, you start killing yourself. How did I not see this yeah. the first 17 times? Uh, it's but crazy. then when, when I finally uh, saw the actual copies, just so exciting, uh, Triumph did a great mm-hmm. job with the cover. Uh, the photo was actually taken during the Stanley Cup final in Vegas, and then Madison Square Garden was superimposed oh, wow. behind me. Um, but the cover is great. And, and to see the names, Wayne Gretzky and Walt Clyde Frazier, yeah. uh, below mine, they are both broadcast partners. I worked a couple of games with Wayne on TNT and knew him a little bit during his days with the Rangers, but got to know each other a lot better the last few years when the TNT studio mm-hmm. show travels during special events such as the outdoor games. And then they spent a couple of weeks with us during the playoffs. And I work about 15 games a year with, with Clyde Frazier on MSG and as great as I they were. I still always think that you're the best dressed of the two of you. You know, I always <laughs> joke that I could be wearing a T-shirt and shorts and nobody would notice because yeah. they're all looking at Clyde. But they are both as great as they were. Wayne was the greatest uh-huh. hockey player of all time. Clyde's in the top 50 NBA uh, all-time legends. They're even better people than, mm-hmm. than they were as, as athletes. So just uh, so honored. We had a friends and family uh, book party back in September. Clyde showed up, stayed for the entire uh, two hours. So I just can't say enough about how much I've enjoyed uh, getting to know both of them and and the fact that they actually took time to write the forwards. Yeah. And you, um, and so the book comes out, um, you know, people, I know you've done a lot of book tours. You can get, by the way, if you're listening to the books, uh, if you're listening in Canada, you can go to Indigo, but you can go to barnesandnoble.com, amazon.com, everything to get the books. What would be like your favorite parts of the books, um, you know, in terms of stories or, or things like that? Well, it's really a compilation. And I know you read the book. It yeah. starts with my early life, born three months premature, which yeah. most people would not be aware of. Um, I had a twin brother who didn't survive. I was in an incubator for yeah. the first two plus months of my life. So uh, battled through that. Um and then just stories about growing up in a, in a sports casting family and, and getting a tape recorder for my birthday when I was five years old. And then through high school and mm-hmm. college, uh, calling as many games as I could find and writing for the high school paper, the town paper, the college newspaper, and the early days working minor league hockey with, yep. with the Baltimore Skipjacks and the American Hockey League. And then who your roommate was. Right, and- well, that's one of the favorite stories, which I'll get to. <laughs> and then getting hired by Fox at a young age along with Joe Buck, Tom Brenneman, Kevin Harlan, other young play-by-play announcers who have all gone on to have outstanding careers. Yeah. Um, the the 28 years now with MSG with the Rangers, uh, the the decade plus with NBC calling hockey, and now with TNT calling basketball, baseball. But there's also a lot about. It's not all about sports. You don't have to be a sports fan, in my opinion, to enjoy the book. There's mm-hmm. a lot about hard work and dedication. There's a chapter on travel tales, a chapter on calling Olympics, a chapter on the color analyst I've worked with, a chapter on on the COVID pandemic and how mm-hmm. we called games off monitors. And then really important to me was a chapter on paying it forward, the advice to the young broadcasters. Yeah, and then Which the I backs, do want to talk to you about. In the back, there's an appendix with some of my uh, game prep, the charts, the boards. So it's really a combination of all that. Um, 
and I don't want to spoil anything for the listeners, but just quickly, the two favorite stories, two of the favorite stories. Mm-hmm. You mentioned Barry Trotz, my roommate in Baltimore on the road for two years. So there's a story about a prank that he set up, a fake arrest <laughs> of me yeah. in Sydney, Nova Scotia. And then my other favorite is the story about uh, a fake interview that I did with Mayor Bloomberg in New York uh-huh. after the Yankees, yeah. Red Sox, ALCS 2003. Yeah. We were off the air, but his PR person asked if we could interview the mayor, and it never was even recorded. So th- <laughs> those are th- – there are a lot of other good stories. There's a story about traveling with the Rangers in the late 90s, and we were in Vancouver, had to go to Edmonton, yep. and there were five or six players on the team who had been part of the Oiler dynasty, and they had friends and family. They had dinner set up in Edmonton, and there was an issue, a mechanical issue with the Rangers' charter flight from Vancouver, four-hour delay. So uh, the team set up commercial flights for Messier and the four or five others who had plans in Edmonton that night. And he stood up in the front of the plane and said, nope, we go as a team. So that's just an example of the leadership, you know, throughout his career. So um, hopefully you enjoyed it. Hopefully the listeners enjoy it. And uh, it was, it was just a lot of fun, a great project to to be a part of. Um, How how do you do it? I mean, um, you know, in terms of your travel and, and things like that, you're here in Minnesota to do a Vikings game. You were just in Seattle yesterday because I watched that game, um, uh, or two days ago actually, right? Um, so, like, how it's got to be at times just hectic in terms of sleep, in terms of game prep, um, all that type of stuff. There are times when it does get very hectic in terms of all of that. Um, all of the bosses at the various networks have been great through the years as far as the jigsaw puzzle of the schedule, uh, football. During the fall, I'm somewhere every weekend, and Mm -hmm. we usually go in Friday and meet with the home team as we tape this. I was out at the Minnesota Vikings practice facility today meeting with players and coaches, and then Saturday we'll usually meet with the visiting team. We have our production meetings, game on Sunday. So a lot of the football weekends are actually in place for two and a half, three days, so Mm -hmm. there's not that hectic feeling, but there are some times – uh, maybe four or five where, where I do have a Friday game somewhere. So I'm traveling in on Saturday morning. Uh, now the last three seasons with TNT, we have a game almost every Wednesday. And then with MSG, uh, you know, they could not be more helpful mm-hmm. as far as the schedule, allowing me to miss uh, a number of Rangers games on radio throughout the year. And then I work about 15 Knicks games on the TV side. But um, like I said, it is a bit of a jigsaw puzzle and, there are those really crazy, hectic times where I might have a couple of, uh, you know, 4 a.m. wake-up calls uh, two days in a row. But um, then the summer is a lot quieter. Uh, three months where I might have six, eight, ten baseball games. So the summer is the polar opposite mm-hmm. of, of the rest of the year. But the really hectic time is when uh, – October, November, December, when football and hockey are overlapping, and then I have basketball games here and there. Once football ends, it does ease up a little bit. There are probably more games, believe it or not, but half of them are at home, so there's no travel involved. So even though there are more games once football ends, because I'm around on the weekends for MSG, um, it does feel a little bit easier as far as the schedule and the prep, the football Mm -hmm. prep. We've talked about this in the past. Uh, that's certainly the most volume because it's two teams that you might not have seen all season. It's a national game. Uh, you're really studying all week, whereas hockey and basketball, you're seeing the teams all the time. You know, you're following it. You're reading about it. So 
As far as the volume of prep, right. it's a lot more during football when, season. When the Rangers went to the Eastern Conference Final, you, you that that was a, a spring and a summer where you did something like 40-something games, right? right. It was 2014, crazy. and that yeah. was really a combination of, ironically, it was the first year that NBC had asked me to mm-hmm. work the Western Conference Final, and the Rangers happened to make it to the East Final right. that year. Um, I went a number of years you know, where I was done – after the first or second round because the Rangers might not have advanced Mm -hmm. and I wasn't working the conference final yet on the TV side, but in 2014, uh, it was the perfect storm. Mm -hmm. So New York, LA, Montreal, Chicago, (laughs) back and forth. And I know I, I chronicle it in the book, but it was 12 games in 15 days, never consecutive games in the same time zone during that two week period. And then the Rangers go to the final against the Kings. I worked the first game on the TV side. Doc Emmerich had to miss the game, and then I worked the next four on the radio. This might never be duplicated ever again. I worked the last 17 games that were played in the NHL that season that's in the nuts. 2014 playoffs. Yeah, that's crazy. And then a couple years ago, was it the same thing, or you you pretty much uh, – Well, were- the first year with TNT, the Rangers made it to the East final – but I missed more games because mm-hmm. I was in Edmonton in Colorado. So it right. was almost physically impossible. So I didn't work all of the Rangers Carolina games. Once the Edmonton mm-hmm. Carolina or Edmonton Colorado series ended yep. in a sweep, I did make it back uh, yeah. for the last couple. Um, let's, uh, you know, obviously this is coming on the athletic hockey show. Um, uh, w- one of the great stories that I wrote at the end of last season was um, you and Edzo. And Ben Boma uh, having uh, meeting up with Keith Jones in the lobby of the Raleigh Renaissance uh, North North Hills, I believe, and um, and finding out that he was leaving you guys to go to uh, the Philadelphia Flyers as team president. I had him on a podcast last month, um, and I think we rehashed that story. But it, it really is an incredible story. And then you guys surprise him, you and Ben, uh, Ben, who is your uh, your longtime statistician and uh, producer. And the hardest man in show business, um, you know, uh, surprised uh, Keith at the press conference. But tell the story. You forgot to write in that story that the Flyers would be in second place in the division in late <laughs> December. Yeah, That's the one exactly. thing you left out. I did. No, that was a wild we were time. We're still talking rebuild. That was a wild time. Um, I've known Keith Jones since 1992 mm-hmm. when he joined the Baltimore Skipjacks. Right. And I called his first professional goal. Uh, he was drafted by Washington and, and played collegiately at Western Michigan. So we've known each other for a long time. Colleagues at NBC, he was in the studio for the most part. I was out on the road, although we did a couple of games together. But then the last two seasons, uh, he was with us, with, with Eddie Olchek. And we were traveling the country, you know, working an NHL game every week for the last two seasons. So we all became really close. We would have lunches and dinners together and travel together. And then during the playoffs last year, the rumors started swirling that um, Eddie and Keith were both potentially up for – the team president job in Philadelphia. Yeah, same job. Right. And I'll never forget. A little awkward. <laughs> you know, they both kept everything really close to the vest. Yeah. They had to. They couldn't really let it be known to anybody that they were interviewing for obvious reasons. And I was at Newark Airport at about 1 o'clock on a weekday. We had a game in Raleigh the next day, a second-round game between Carolina and New Jersey. And somebody sent me a tweet that they were both – up for the job with the Flyers. And I had, I had known that Eddie's name had been thrown around a little bit, you know, with regard to executive positions with teams, but I had never heard Keith's name in, mm-hmm. in that regard. He was 
doing his three broadcasting jobs with the Flyers, with TNT, with WIP Radio. Mm -hmm. So I had never heard him mention anything about it, about uh, his interest in, in getting into management, had never read it anywhere. So it was kind of shocking, actually, right. at first. And, pl and plus, you're thinking, I travel with this guy all the time. Right. I think I would know. Right, and yeah. text all the time. Yeah. So it was, it was kind of shocking. And then by 7 o'clock that night, we were all having dinner, and, and he was hired as president of the Flyers, yeah. president of hockey operations. Uh, but we were all so happy for him. And then he yeah. stayed with us. He worked the rest yeah. of that round yeah. and the next round and the final. Yeah. Even though I wrote he that uh, big story on The Athletic. Uh, and Ben Bowman and I did uh, travel from Carolina to the press conference mm -hmm. the next day in Philadelphia. And he's just a tremendous person. Yeah. You know, he, I think the funniest part is the night that you guys are having dinner and all the rumors are swirling out. You, Edzo, and, and uh, Keith take a picture at a restaurant in Raleigh. And you had all these subliminal pictures in there, a blue moon, I think it was, with, you know, which we is had some orange. orange in the background yeah, 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 for the flyers. It was like, it, it was, you were doing all these things to really just kind of show that this is happening. Right, because it wasn't knew. announced officially yeah. until the next day. But yeah. uh, it, it was just, uh, you know, so much fun working with them. Yeah. And, and, and now Brian Boucher has stepped right in yeah. uh, to both roles with us yeah. on TNT and replace Jonesy on the Flyers games, and he does an incredible job as well. Absolutely. Um, let's quickly talk about the Rangers, and just uh, obviously Peter Laviolette takes over for Gerard Gallant this year. Um, you know, they continue to play really quality hockey, look like a formidable uh, contender in the Eastern Conference. What do you think of the future here of the of the Rangers? And could this, you know, two years ago, they, looked, they were on the verge of Stanley Cup final. Could we see that? Right. I think when you look back at the last two seasons, 100-point mm -hmm. seasons, you know, it, it's – it's kind of odd when you think about it. Two years ago, they're down 3-1 to Pittsburgh in the first round, and it looks mm -hmm. like it's over. And they wind up getting to the Eastern Conference Final, winning the first two games mm -hmm. against Tampa before losing that series. And then last year, another 100-point season, they win the first two games against Jersey, 5-1, 5-1, look like world beaters, wind up losing that series in seven. I think if they beat the Devils, they could have gone pretty far again last year. Um, but in the playoffs, as you know, it comes down to matchups, goaltending, injuries, mm -hmm. a little bit of luck. And that New Jersey team was able to, you know, string together uh, wins in four of the next five mm -hmm. games. When I think back, game three at MSG went to overtime. Dougie Hamilton winds up scoring for the Devils. If the Rangers win that game, 3 nothing right. series is probably over. Um, Peter Laviolette comes in, a guy that's had great success winning a cup in Carolina, getting to the cup final with Philly and Nashville, and he's done a terrific job. Um, I felt over the last two years, and I still feel over the next three or four, with this core, the Rangers are as good as any team in the league. When you mm -hmm. look at the goaltending, Igor Shosturkin won a Vezina Trophy two years ago. Jonathan Quick, they bring in as a backup this year. He's 9-0-1. Yeah, it's crazy. It's incredible. I feel like their group of, of defensemen is from one to six, top three in the league with, with Adam Fox and Ryan Lindgren, Jacob Truba, Keandre Miller, mm -hmm. and then Braden Schneider and Eric Gustafson, who's really played well yeah. this year, especially in the absence of Fox. And then you have some all-world players up front, you know, between Mika Zibanejad, Artemi Panarin, who's having a great year, and Chris Kreider, three bona fide all-stars. You have the youngsters. Now, unfortunately, two of them mm -hmm. have been hurt, Philip Hedl and Capo Caco. Alexi Lafreniere is having his best year. And then they have that mixture on the third and fourth lines, the grit, you know, whether it's Blake Wheeler, who's up on the first line now, 
They brought in Nick Benino, who's been huge with, yeah. with face-offs and blocking shots and penalty killing. Barkley Goodrow, who's won a couple of cups. Jimmy Vesey, who's having a really good year. Mm-hmm. A youngster in Will Cooley. So, you know, when you look at their roster top to bottom, and there are a lot of good teams. So, you know, come playoff time, you never know what's going to happen. Um, you know, look at Boston last year, right. record-setting season, and then they lose in the first round. But with this core and this coaching staff, and that's something that a lot of people haven't talked about. Uh, they brought in Michael Pekka mm-hmm. and Phil Housley, mm-hmm. along with Dan Muse as the assistant coaches. They were not a good face-off team the last five, ten years. Right now, they're right up there at the top, and Michael Peck has been a big reason why. He was a great face-off guy during his career. He works with the centers. Right. And Phil Housley is a Hall of Famer, works with the defensemen. So mm-hmm. when you look at the guys who Laviolette brought in as assistant coaches, that's a pretty big reason for the success as well. Impressive. Uh, Zach Z, we got to get him a book, but uh, he asked, uh, can you ask Kenny Albert about the advice for those graduating college, those getting into the broadcast injury, industry, um, uh, or make uh, maybe ask for tips and tricks he's accumulated in his daily life covering sports? I think the biggest thing that a lot of people always wonder when you graduate college is how do you get your foot in the door? What What is some of the advice that you always give? Well, I think it starts even before that, and mm-hmm. – Kids are starting younger and younger these days. When I was in high school, I was so fortunate that a local cable station showed up at my school and I volunteered to do play-by-play and wound up doing about 75 games for them over the next three years. But right, you know, these days there are so many more opportunities. A lot of high schools have broadcasting programs. Right. Um, you can even uh, you know, kind of establish your own voice on apps on your phone. Right, on a you podcast. Know, yeah, you can yeah. do a podcast. There are so many camps around the country in, in the New York area where yeah. I live uh, Bruce Beck, a terrific sportscaster, uh-huh. has run a camp for about 15 years for high school and college students. Um, Chris Carino and Tim Capstraw, the voices of the Brooklyn Nets, they run a camp. Jeremy Treatment out of Philadelphia runs, uh, they're called the play-by-play camps all over the country. They go to a different city every week in the summer. So you, listeners can find these on the internet. And they give the, the high school and college students practical experience. They bring in professionals to... Uh, lecture and and answer questions. Mm-hmm. They bring them to minor league baseball games, for example, to do some play by play. They take tours of of Yankee Stadium and MetLife Stadium. Um, so if you're a high school or college student, just get as much experience as possible. Like I said, working at a school radio station, TV station, uh, whether it's in front of the microphone, behind the scenes, even mm-hmm. if it's not the exact position that you hope to wind up in as a professional, if you want to be on the air. Get experience behind the scenes as well. A lot of the colleges that are in the ACC conference or, or the Big East and many others, the Big Ten, have their own networks where the students are able to do the various jobs. Now, it might not be for the, you know, the big football and basketball games, but you can go call a volleyball match or a soccer game or a lacrosse game. When I was in college at NYU – we had a terrific Division Three men's and women's basketball program, and there were five or six of us at the radio station. We had a fight for airtime with the music department. The DJs <laughs> didn't want their shows preempted right. when the basketball games were being played. But these days, with the internet, you can go call a soccer game, and they'll put it out on the web. You don't mm-hmm. even need the radio station airtime yeah. uh, to do something like that. So get as much experience as possible, internships, et cetera, and just try and make as many connections as you can as well. A uh, couple of uh, quick hitters. Let's do that. Um, 
Uh, we asked the advice. Uh, have you ever almost sworn on the air because of something? I can't even imagine you swearing in real life. Well, I don't. Yeah, and yeah. One, of the, one of the reasons why is because I don't want it to slip out on the yeah, air. Yeah. So. Yeah, uh, no, I always that, tell people you're the most humble and wholesome person I think I've ever met. Yeah, that's never happened. I did almost get the hiccups on the air one time. That was, that's a little tough to manage. Yeah. There's something called the cough button in yeah. front of us if you want to cut off your microphone. So whenever I, it was a Rangers game in LA at uh-huh. the old forum in the late nineties, I was working with Sal Messina and I had to try and reach for the cough button whenever I would feel the hiccups coming on. That is hilarious. Or like a tickle in the throat that exactly. happened to Devin Dubnik his first time on Bally sports North here. Uh, favorite anecdote about your dad. Wow. Um, you know, there There's were so many. A thousand. I think the biggest thing that I learned from him was the preparation, just yeah. watching. And I feel like I've carried that over in, into my professional career, just watching him prepare for games yeah. and the amount of work and time that he put into it. And you asked about the travel earlier. There's a lot of travel. There's a lot of work. But I never feel like I'm going to work. Right. It, it's such a fun job. We get to, you know, talk to players and coaches. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the preparation is reading tons of articles and mm-hmm thousands that you've written through the years and <laughs> watching prior games and, and Butch Goring, the Islanders analyst, he refers to it. He says, we're all wor- working in the toy department. Those yeah. of us who uh, get to call games on television. I and sat radio. next to Butch on a plane this summer, actually. It's so funny coming back from, I think it was uh at JFK. I was coming back from Europe and he was going to Winnipeg oh, for wow. uh, Dale Howard. Yeah, he, grew up, so, he grew up in yeah, Winnipeg. Dale Howard golf tournament, I believe it was. Um, favorite sport to commentate. You know, I get that question a lot, and it's like asking which kid you like best. Yeah. If you have four, I happen to work four sports on a regular basis. Growing up, it was hockey, although mm-hmm. the others weren't far behind. I played hockey a little bit as a kid. I uh, was a third-line plotting winger. Um, did play on a club team in high school and college, and there are a couple of stories on that in the book. Um, another student formed the NYU club hockey team my freshman year, and I actually scored the first goal right. in NYU history. A couple of years later, played against John Cooper, who was at Hofstra. We right. figured that out a couple of years ago. But as far as uh, you know, calling games, there's nothing like the Stanley Cup playoffs. Love yeah. calling hockey. Love still being able to call hockey on the radio. It brings you back to the fundamentals. Uh, there are so many differences between radio and TV. Love them both. Um, Football, though, every game's so big. You know, there's such a, uh, a special feeling at 1 o'clock or noon, depending on the time zone on Sunday when they kick off. You yeah. know that millions of people are watching. And really enjoy calling basketball and baseball as well. So um, if I had to pick one, it would be hard. But, you know, having the opportunity to call the, the right. Stanley Cup final two of the last three years. Um, Win- call, Winter call, Classic in minus 10 here. In Winter Classic, yeah, a couple of years ago. <laughs> Panger, I did a pod with him a couple of weeks ago, and he made it very clear that he was the one outside. Well, and that you and Jonesy were inside. Eddie had to miss that game, yeah. uh, so Jonesy got lucky. He was <laughs> upstairs with me, and we closed the window after the first period. Otherwise, he would have been down there where Panger yeah, was. Yeah, yeah. Hey, last question. Um, what is the one camp that you do where you bring in athletes to help them sort of transition to behind the booth? Because Ben Lieber is somebody that's uh, one of the great, great um, analysts here in Minnesota, and he was a graduate of, uh, and, and said that it's you ironic. helped him all up. It's ironic yeah. that you mentioned that because as we taped this a couple of hours ago, mm-hmm. I was with Kevin O'Connell, the Vikings head coach, and he was also a, quote, student at that camp uh, and a broadcast partner of mine yeah. for half of a game off a TV monitor about 10 years ago. It's the NFL broadcast boot camp. Um, I haven't been there in a number of years since they moved it out to L.A., mm-hmm. but when it was in New Jersey, uh, they invited me and several others from the broadcasting world uh, four or five times uh, through the years. And now they do it out in L.A. 
at uh, NFL Films mm-hmm. on the West Coast, the NFL Network. But they invite 20 NFL either retired, recently retired players or current players who might want to get into the business. Mm-hmm. And it's a week long and they do practice games. They do studio work. Uh, they have guest lecturers, et cetera. So uh, I would say about 10 or 12 years ago, Ben Lieber was there. Mm-hmm. We worked together. And um, the one year, I think we had Kevin O'Connell, who's now the Vikings head coach. I worked with him, worked the game same day off the monitor with Nate Burleson, who's gone on to a tremendous career yeah. uh, at CBS, and Tim Hasselbeck, who works at ESPN. So they were all there. Uh, Kevin O'Connell actually did some broadcasting after he retired at his alma mater. He did radio for San Diego State for a year or two. He was the color analyst on the radio. That's cool. And then he got into coaching, and he's doing a great job with the Vikings. No wonder he's so uh, well-spoken. Um, tell us just last one. This this wind up. This was supposed to go on the athletic hockey show. It's so long now; they might have to make it straight from the source pod. There you go. Um, uh, tell us the Tony Sergus story because uh, one of my favorite uh, experiences that uh, you know since I've been friends with you was during the 2012-13 lockout. Shadowing, uh, you set it up. Me shadowing Tony on the field of the Metrodome at a at a 49er in Minnesota uh, Vikings game, and he just seemed like a gentle giant. He was one of a kind. Yeah, he enjoyed life to to the fullest. Uh, unfortunately passed away in June of, of July of 2022. Ironically, you asked me about the Rangers uh, getting to the conference final two years ago. Game six, the last game in Tampa. Lightning won the series 4-2. He texted me after the first period, mm-hmm. and he said, I'm at the game. Are you here? And I was all the way up in the press box. <laughs> and you know, you the, know, Tampa, you know the elevator not, yeah, situation yeah. in Tampa. You can't yeah. get downstairs very quickly. And he told me where he was sitting, he was in the second row on the same side as the press box in Tampa with his son behind the penalty boxes. And I actually took a picture, which I have on my phone, from the press box of Tony and his son Anthony sitting in the second row. That's awesome. And we texted back and forth, and he passed away about 10 days later. Yeah, He was at that terrible. game. Yeah. And I mentioned this in the book. I was so honored. His family asked me to to uh, yeah. uh, do the eulogy at his funeral, and, and that was surreal. There were about 1,500 people in this church, and I look out, and there's Ray Lewis and Shannon Sharp and Rod Woodson and, and so many of his Ravens teammates. Rex Ryan was there, mm-hmm. and a lot of the coaches, and just so honored uh, that they considered me for that. But I worked with him for eight years along with Moose Johnston, mm-hmm. and during the football season, you're with your crew from Friday morning until Sunday night. So you're with them more than you're with your family. You're having every meal together, lunches, dinners. So eight years, 20 weeks a year. So 160 weekends, Mm -hmm. um, we were together and, uh, he becomes like a family member. Yeah. He was just one of those guys, like I said, live life to his fullest, always wanted to be taking part in some kind of adventure. Uh, I also wrote about it in the book on Saturdays. We have some free time during the football season when we're done with our meetings, uh, on Friday. And then before our meetings on Saturday, he was never one to sit around his hotel room and do nothing. So we went on a swamp boat tour, petting baby alligators in Louisiana. We went to Niagara Falls. We took the jet boat tour and got soaked. Uh, we went to SeaWorld in San Diego and got soaked by uh, Shamu. Yeah. Um, the only time I ever held a gun was at a driving uh, a gun range in Dallas when I went with, with Moose and Goose. Um, I sat in the passenger seat of a NASCAR race car and was driven around by a pro 150 miles an hour. And uh, that was uh, with Moose and Goose as well. Wow. So 
He always wanted to be on the move. Um, if you were in his inner circle, he would do anything for you. Uh, did so much great charity work. And actually, um, a gentleman named Dirk Vandersteer, who was a close friend of Goose, who owns Titan Aviation down in Florida, mm-hmm. a private jet service. Goose was uh, a partner in the company. And they now have a charitable organization. It's called Goose Flights. You can look it up mm-hmm. on, on, on social media. And they raise money uh, primarily for two purposes. Mm-hmm. They'll fly Make-A-Wish children around the country to wow. attend various events. And they fly retired NFL players to medical appointments in other cities. Wow. So it's called Goose Flights. You can look it up. That's really cool. Yep. It was, uh, what, 400 yards from here at the Marquette Hotel. We had dinner one night. Uh, well, in town you know, you spent three hours around that day, and, yeah. and I'm sure there. it was a memorable afternoon for you. Yeah. Uh, because Still, he, it was my favorite story that I wrote yeah. during that, during that lockout. Know, I'll have to pull that back yeah, up, yeah. but he, he was one of a kind. Yeah. And it was around this time. It was in it was, December that was. because and the lockout that, was just ending. He had that crazy setup on the field yes, with all the with monitors. The, yep, it looked yep, like a space shell. Yep. Before the game, he's watching warm-ups, and Alex Smith is out there, and I just he was – he was holding a medicine ball, a giant medicine ball that probably I don't know how much it weighed, and he was just doing almost like he was, you know, just going right, left, right, left. And I have this video; it's actually on my phone of him doing this, uh, basically his exercise with this thing. And he's, yeah, he's, he was a, a sweet guy and uh, really cool that he allowed me uh, to be on the on the field that you helped. And set he was up. really starting to enjoy hockey. I know he went to yeah. some Devils games, and yeah. then he was at that Rangers Lightning game. Yep, no doubt. Um, so the book is uh, a Mike for all seasons: my three decades announcing the NFL, NHL, NBA, Major League Baseball, and the Olympics. You can get it at BarnesandNoble.com, Amazon. To, com anywhere you get your books um you can see kenny albert every single uh night on uh or not every single night but on national hockey league games on tnt uh on fox on sundays uh if you listen to msg uh, uh ranger games you'll hear him on there and uh, obviously on tv doing msg nick games as well so you're a book, busy man the book has its own instagram account which my daughter runs Amanda, nice. she's a video editor she works for the nhl video editor slash producer that's awesome but on the side she runs the instagram account of mike for all seasons and it follows the travels of the book so i'll send her pictures from various stadiums and arenas she'll take some so that's very cool uh, for the listeners uh feel free to follow the book on instagram yep, that's awesome Well, again, my thanks to Kenny Albert. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed my conversation with Kenny, and hopefully you grab onto his book, A Mike for All Seasons. Uh, the Athletic Hockey Show is published five times a week with our hosts Ian Mendez, Julian McKenzie, Haley Salvian, Sean Gentili, Max Boltman, and Corey Promen, with contributions from our writers, including Mark Lazarus, Jesse Granger, Down Goes Brown, Shana Goldman, and yours truly. Find episodes on the Athletic Podcast Network and wherever you download your podcasts. You can also subscribe to the Athletic's NHL YouTube channel at youtube.com slash at the athletic hockey show again youtube.com slash at the athletic hockey show and again that's the at symbol the athletic hockey show from right now through the end of the year you can gift a one-year subscription to the athletic for $19.99 or a two-year subscription for $39.99 when you visit the athletic.com slash straight from the source again my thanks to kenny albert and we'll talk to you next year for another edition of straight from the source 